0: Hello and welcome to another episode of African Jeopardy. My name is Ife and I am recording from Crail in Scotland.
1: Hi, thank you Ife. My name is Dehi, I'm the co-host of African Jeopardy and I'm recording from Vancouver in Canada.
0: Today, we're going to be, I mean, obviously, in light of what has been happening the last couple of months, it would be very wrong of us not to touch on the topic around diversity. So today, we will be talking about diversity in the workplace, diversity in research, diversity in general, just to help us understand, I guess, the importance of diversity and why we should embrace it. And we don't have uh, an invited guest today, but I, I think that uh, the two of us are able to to do justice to the topic. So. We're
1: enough. <laughs> we're <laughs> enough. Today. Yeah, I bet many of our uh, audience would actually have thought that we were going to talk about COVID when you mentioned the recent months. It's like, oh, no, another COVID-related podcast. No. Today, it's all about diversity, actually, and diversity everywhere, as Ife just mentioned
0: yes so um i don't actually know how to because usually we will have a guest and we would introduce the guest and then ask them what they had in mind sort of what their thoughts are around the topic but i guess i would i would i would play the devil's advocate today and and, and start by asking the what your thought is around the topic and and what uh, what your experiences are as well. I mean, you are from Algeria, but you live in Canada. What, what are your experiences around this subject of diversity?
1: Something that I'm going to say that's going to sound very sad and depressing, actually, um, is I feel sometimes that I am home nowhere, quite frankly. You know, when you come to Canada, you were told that Canada is a very diverse country, which absolutely it is. It is a diverse country in that it's a country of immigrants but at the same time this uh, there is this embedded systemic racism and personal bias you know that we some of you know some canadians express and others don't but there is this discrimination actually that we are subject to as as minorities here in Canada and it's something that is extremely difficult to address because Canada is known for its diversity and you know easygoingness it's not known necessarily as a racist country but at the end of the day, when you're subject to it and you can't necessarily talk about it because it's taboo, because you feel that this is not a country where it happens, it makes it even even harder to actually address. And when I say home nowhere, um, and we were just talking about this with Ife, even in my own um, uh, background country, I would say with my other country, Algeria, there is embedded racism as well. And racism that is either against minorities because I'm an indigenous person in Algeria and hence I'm a minority um, and experienced it, Or um, what would it, what would you call it if a, I guess, colonial reversed racism, something like that, where, you know, you're less favored than your colonial counterpart as a researcher or as a professional, basically, um, because you're at the end of the day, you remain, uh, I would say, uh, defiantly and controversially, only African to their eyes. So whatever you do, you remain African, and there is also this perception of, you know, superior colonialism, where you have what we call the blue eye syndrome. So at the end of the day, experience it there, experience it here, um, it's, it's something that I, I see, it's something that I speak about. It's not something that you can actually just come forward and say to a person, you're doing that because you can ruin your career by doing that. But it's something that I am struggling with, um, even now, even today. How about you?
0: that's really um interesting to hear i mean but not interesting like oh my god i've never experienced this before therefore this is really um something i cannot relate with but i i want to sort of and, and this is why i i thought diversity was really an important topic for us to touch on because um a couple of weeks ago i saw a twitter trend and tread sorry and I can't find it now, but this was a thread made by a medical doctor. He was a white male medical doctor. He was sort of narrating his experience around um, research. And obviously this, this subject be, is very important, especially when we take into account that, so they say people from Black ethnic minority group are, like, are more likely to die of covid than white persons, either in the UK or in the United States. And the data is quite staggering. And so this was, I guess, this was something that motivated this doctor's um, um, recounting of his experience as a medical doctor. And he talked about how when he was trained as a doctor, the, um, the, the, the kind of research or the kind of bodies, the people he was used to show what a typical illness is white this made it difficult or a lot more difficult for him to identify similar illnesses amongst um, black people and that really got me thinking oh my god and reflecting about my own personal experiences when I was pregnant with with my daughter and you have to bear with me because this is somehow personal but I don't mind sharing it because this is actually something that I feel that we should talk more about. And one of the main reasons I think that diversity is important anywhere, especially in the workplace, in research, in our daily life, we have to embrace the fact that we, 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 we have people from different cultures, different ethnicity, and they don't have to be like us to be able to sort of adapt to our new society. And so this experience I had was when I was pregnant with my daughter. I had this amazing midwife and she was nice up to, I mean, she was nice and she's still a nice human being. She didn't actually do anything wrong to me, but the experience I had during my pregnancy made me look at myself differently as a person first i know i i don't know if if you're in the uk i don't know if this is the same thing here in canada but in the uk and europe there's this new i don't want to call it craze but there's this like drive towards um stopping what i call cutting and stitching this is um female genital mutilation and this is more common in i believe some parts of Africa, Middle East, obviously also North Africa. And so in the UK, this is actually some. there's a drive towards stopping it. But automatically when you're black or from an ethnic minority or Asian, when a midwife sees you and you're pregnant or you're having a girl, you are unfortunately labeled as a potential person. I guess this is based on the training they've had. Oh my God. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. I know what it is. Going. Oh my God.
0: Yeah, yeah go ahead. And so this training obviously is clearly training that haven't worked because one, they don't know what they're looking out for. So I'm having a girl, she said to me, you know, you've heard about um female genital mutilation, you're from Nigeria. Were you mutilated? Were you caught when you were pregnant? Oh, sorry, when you were when you were born? I said, Of course I wasn't. i I know I, I'm not, but I also know that my culture practices it. Or oh, well, I don't want to say my culture because that's Quite heavy. But I know that where I come from, they do practice it. And so she referred me that I was going to be referred to the GP, uh, not to the GP, but to a doctor that can ascertain whether or not I was mutilated. And there are three types of mutilation. There's type one, type two, and type three. Type one is like very small stitch. Type two is Uh, type one is uh, a a small cut, type two is either a cut or a stitch. And then type three is like where your vagina is sewed up completely. And so when I saw a doctor, a white doctor, Mm -hmm. he looked at me and said, she, she she just said to the lady something, and then she ticked something. And then I later found out that she ticked that I was caught. I was like, oh, okay, which means I had type one. I found it very disturbing because I knew what was going to happen next. Obviously, the fact that I was having a girl meant that the fact that I was caught means I would potentially, when I travel abroad with my daughter, I'm also going to cut her. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And so I was on that list, and social services got involved.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. So my mom came for the Omogor. You know, like we have this tradition where when you give birth, your mother will come for the first um, six months yeah. when you give birth to sort of help you for your first child. She yeah. came and I asked her, she said, no, actually, you were not caught. And I know I wasn't. I know my buddy, everybody knows. <laughs> knows yeah. your buddy. I know I wasn't caught. But the system have already tagged me. And I have a daughter, a baby girl, and have social services that is keeping an eye so that I don't caught my, my daughter. Uh, and around that period, I had to go to Nigeria. We all had to go to Nigeria for my field work. Yeah. And when we came back, I was pregnant with my son. And then I, again, started going to the hospital. It was then that it was actually, it dawned on me that it was quite serious because they found out that I had been to Nigeria mm-hmm. and they wanted to check on my daughter to make sure I hadn't done anything to her. And I was like, really? I mean, I was so disturbed because I, I, I then knew that this was really serious and I was making this case that one, I, I, I wasn't caught. My mother would know if I was caught. I haven't done anything to my daughter, but actually I want to need this in the board. I want to see another doctor.
1: You have seen that. Okay. You did, you did seek another, another opinion.
0: No, no, no. I told them that I wanted to see another doctor before they could finalize. But yeah. this is also where it now becomes very important to have diversity in the workplace, to have diversity in, the re- in, in research, especially medical research, especially given, taking into account the period when, you know, with COVID, they didn't have any um, medical doctor with expertise around, you know, female genital mutilation or the, could understand the, the African body, you know, African woman's body. Yeah. In in my local vicinity, so this person had to come from Manchester.
1: So one. And yet of, she did, and yet she did. She screwed up. I no, was, no, no, no. Another
0: person. So when oh, I another person. Okay. I thought it was the first doctor. Okay, okay. So the first doctor. Yeah, the, again, the first doctor had to come from outside the borough. They didn't have one that could check. The, the first doctor had to come from outside, but a white doctor, and she, she, I guess, she identified wrong because she hasn't uh, seen my kind of body before. So but, wait a
1: second, just, just uh, sorry, b- bear with me for this question. Wait a second. So yeah. from my understanding, yeah. this first doctor, who was extreme, I mean like uh, probably incompetent, let's not say anything about him or her, uh, but she in her mind and in the mind of this system, this is where I see that the other really bad thing about systemic racism, even let's assume for a second, which is not the case, even if you were cut as a child, you know, let's assume that for a second, even if it was not the case again, I'm I'm repeating this. Is it actually your fault that you were cut so that you can actually do that to to your daughter? I mean, like as a victim of something, I, I'm just like questioning her the, the, the system here and how it works. So basically, you bring someone who you think is, is a victim, I would say, of, of gen, uh, genital mutilation, and then you actually say, okay, they can perpetuate this. They're probably going to perpetuate it. And then they put, you, you, you put them through hell as if they were not victimized one first time. You put them through hell um, of suspicion and all sorts of things, actually generating frustration and anger. I'm frustrated and angered by this, you know, and yeah. I'm not even you. No, so, but that's I. The thing. So that's the thing.
0: It is, it is based on their training. They were told, you know, when you go for this, just like diversity training sometimes it's crap because you yeah. go and there's a blank, blanket. This is what you look out for. If you see this, you must do this. Okay. And so the, the lady or the doctor, I don't want to say she's incompetent, but she saw what she thought was, was it.
1: No, no, no. I, I'm not going to find her justification. She, I'm going I'm to say she's a. Fine. Yeah. incompetent. It.
0: Well, okay. Yeah. Well, okay, let's go with that. But yeah. What happened the next time when I was pregnant with my son, I insisted I wanted another opinion because yeah. I was comfortable with this being on my record, you know, with social services, they can be, you know, they are weird. They can knock one there and say, we're coming for your daughter. <laughs> yeah anyways they called um i had another date and i i i had another doctor from manchester and this time i I was so oh my god i was so relieved to see a sister she's nigerian she's from the north she did not look at me i just lay there and you know yeah and she didn't look at me for 30 seconds she said no she said of course you were not caught she said you were not caught well who, she actually escalated it because I said I wanted to escalate it further. She wrote a report and I got a letter, a month later, a month later from social services. They didn't apologize. They said, we are not taking this case any further. I was like, what that? I would
1: have sued the, I'm sorry. I would have sued the ass of the first doctor, Ife.
0: (laughs) No, well, (laughs) there was nothing to see apart from the stress. But I felt like, I was like, excuse me? I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you're not pursuing this case any further. What case? You know, what case? But yeah. but this is basically, I mean, so imagine how many people, how many, this was an illness. If this was an illness, how many people would have died? And this is just one. I mean, I had two nasty experiences when I was pregnant with my daughter that made me question everything about, I don't want to say made me question being black, but made me question everything about myself and even being in England in the first place, you know? I had what seemed to be measles when I was pregnant with her. They had to bring in a doctor from a different borough because they'd not seen measles on the skin of the black person before. No way. I swear. And so in the early stages of my pregnancy, of which there were medications that could have been more dangerous to my daughter if they didn't diagnose it early. Where do you live? No, I live in England. I didn't I, I didn't, <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> what I, is this? So, so for listeners that are in England, so you don't think I'm making this up, my borough my <laughs> is Newcastle on the line, and it's not a village. I mean, it's Stoke-on-Trent, actually. There are, there are competent doctors there. But this tells you... So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this story because the thread by that doctor is what motivated it because he was basically saying that the skin he was taught to diagnose um, diseases with is never on a black skin so when he sees similar thing on a black skin that he has seen on a white skin it's kind of difficult for him to ascertain what is what and i i feel this was exactly the case for me and so there was this photo back of me calling my mom when i was in for checkup to say did I get vaccinated for measles? They said I have measles. She said, but this is strange. I don't think it is. So in the end, I actually do not know if I had measles, but I had this dangerous um, medication that they told me that there was a chance my daughter was going to be deformed because this was some of the the negative implications of having that medication if you Mm -hmm. have measles at that early stage. And so, I mean, I can shout it through the, the rooftop. Rooftop in terms of, the importance of diversity be it in the workplace be it in research because if you're not if you're not doing research especially medical research on bodies to reflect your research
1: subjects i would say like you know because when you we say research just like it implies like the 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 colleagues the researchers
0: like this is really really important actually Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so well i guess medical research you can call it that medical research if you if you're not diverse, this can kill people, and so I yeah. could have even been one of those numbers, and nobody would never know that it has anything to do with racism. Uh, yes, I've said that word, but, but people might say might interpret it better. But also, I guess if our listeners have a different interpretation of it, I would really well, I, I would really want to know. I
1: think they I think the French have heard you, Ife. They're going for a try for to. Tr- To try the the COVID-19 vaccine, a massive trial in Africa. You know, basically, they're they're diversifying. They're going to choose African research subjects for the vaccine. I'm using sarcasm here. Bear with me. Yeah, and it's something that's actually something else. It's not, I would say it's not necessarily, it's more colonialism than racism, but it's still within the same lines of, you know, when you choose your battles and where you choose to to conduct your battles, basically. But I do agree with you on on this. I think it's racism. Uh, It's systemic racism, actually. Um, It's also a privileged one, because um, you know when when you conduct, I'm not an expert in medical trials or thing or pharma studies, but something that is clear to me from what you just said, the lack of knowledge of these doctors is abhorrent. It's appalling, actually. for first, a female doctor or a doctor in general, I would say, not to be able to recognize what is um, uh, genital mo-
0: mutilation. It doesn't matter. Well, I call it cutting and stitching. What is it? I call it cut- well. They call it female genital mutilation, but I call it cutting and stitching. I mean, cutting and stitching. Okay. It. Yeah. You yeah. Know, when you cut the lipia, the lipia it that's the term? Yeah. Or when you yeah. stitch it. It's more explicit if you're trying to, say, campaign to someone in the village why you Mm -hmm. think it's not a good idea for them to do it to their kids.
1: Okay, that's the cut and stitching. So she was not able or beyond her stereotyping of you and where you came from, she was not able to recognize where she was trained to recognize and you well, said she they, wasn't they trained her. was she but that's the thing that's what he says. that she wasn't so he basically well it was not her was first there. place then to be there it was not her first place then to be there as a professional she could have said, ethically she could have said i'm sorry i cannot determine this and move on to the next case instead of destroying your life for a year or two while, while you, you were scared for your kid and you were scared of losing yeah, your yeah. child, you know. So that's, that's why I'm saying like you should sue her ass at least to make her know that she, she screwed up basically and for others not, not to do that. Um, does, the result doesn't matter at the end as, as, as long as she's educated from this experience. That being said, you know, like choosing the subjects of research, you, I, I don't think people even think about that when they're doing like, you know, their ethical review. I think that universities and medical departments should include that like diversity of your medical subjects. Is that, is that the term medical subject"? Is that the right term? I'm not sure.
0: We'll sort of find
1: out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sorry if it's the wrong term again. None of us is an expert in this, but basically, diversity when you choose the people who are going, who you're going to study or conduct your, you know, trials on, is important in any ethical. Um, you know, the ethics departments of universities have to make sure that that's actually one of the conditions. I don't think it figured in the UBC um, in the UBC ethics. You know, uh, when you review the ethics for to conducting interviews, for example, things like that, it's not it's not on there oh, in terms okay. of diversity. You know. so oh, I think it's okay. something that should be added. Yeah, I think it should. I it's guess not,
0: in the end, the positive outcome from this was that so based on the experience I had, I applied for this. There's this policy idol. The first time ever that King's College London did it, where I was in my PhD, I applied for it and I gave my policy idea, I gave a three-minute presentation. A policy idea that I shared was around cutting and stitching based on the experience that I had. I did not win the overall prize, but I won the, the best quality um, policy idea with substance, and I won £500. So <laughs> I guess I have to thank the experience I had for giving me the idea to present this policy thing that was then later... Um, shared with those in in the parliament through the King's College policy, um, policy, I think, um, Department of Policy. Yeah, so I guess that's a positive thing that came out of it.
1: Yeah, it it is really amazing. I think that five hundred pounds is is too low for that. It should have been more, but still it's an amazing thing. It's not under the money. Yeah,
0: I know. But, But but on a serious note though, everyone, diversity is really important. You have to I mean you don't have to agree with someone, white, black, yellow, blue, but you just have to respect that there are people that are different from you. And I don't
1: think color matters. I don't think skin color matters when you have to agree or, or disagree with someone. Um I, I quite frankly, well, and we know this, obviously I'm saying this to you, but we know this. We know this. Like it's not even there. It's just I, I think that it's a given. There has to be diversity. It's a given. There is there is no reason why there should not be diversity in these kind of issues. You know. It is a given. Point blank. There is nothing else. It's like it has to be. Um, I don't see a debate. I don't see an argument. I don't see anything. It is not as of today. There is basically no diversity. Some organizations try for it. I would say that many don't. Um, there is there is no debate to be to be had with regards of whether or not there should be. It should be that's it that's that's one thing that should be crystal clear here there should be diversity in the workplace in 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 research there should be diversity there is nothing else to argue about there it's not an argument it's not a debate and if someone does not agree well too bad you know I'm gonna say that too bad if, yeah if you know, agree, the no. thing
0: is it's well we say that is not a debate but when when the people the gatekeepers the people that actually should be making this happen or these changes happen are the gatekeepers and are not the ones that sh- that share similar ideas or perspective as you like, yeah but
1: there is no debate to be had i mean like they have they're wrong the thing is that they yes they are the gatekeepers um and i agree with you like but it's not it's not a debate of a form as in like you're let's prove you something or let's debate this. No, they are wrong. That's what I'm saying. There is no debate in that. Usually when there is a debate, there are two ideas to be discussed and there is something that comes out of, you know, both ideas may be converged to something to a new conclusion. In this particular case, it's bad or good. You know, there is no two ideas merging to form something new, some new conclusion. It's bad or good. And the fact that there is lack of diversity and there is a gatekeeper, if there is a gatekeeper, someone that tells me, sorry, we cannot have diversity in this particular field of research, then I'm sorry. I am not. It's, it's, not, it's not a debate to tell them, you know, you're wrong. Basically, this is not how it should be. It's not. It's not. Well, that's what I mean by debate. Like, you know, a debate and like it's correct form and everything. This is being right or wrong. You, we can discuss with climate denialists uh, all we want. In, in fact, you don't have a debate with the climate denialists whether or not there is uh, climate change denialists, whether or not there is climate change or not. We know that there is climate change. We want to prove them wrong. We don't debate with them, basically.
0: Yeah, That's
1: what I mean. Yeah.
0: So I guess the question now is, how do we move beyond where we are now to ensure that... Things are done differently because no longer, it is no longer acceptable in 2020, even if I was a a white person speaking to you, or as a black person speaking to a white person, or a white person speaking to a black person, it is no longer acceptable that minorities are allowed to die because a lot of the people, a lot of the health experts that are produced do not understand their bodies it is just not acceptable and it is also not acceptable that one can go into a workplace and feel uncomfortable because her or his white counterparts are not really sure of how to relate with them because they don't want to be um sort of called um racist due to some you know behavior that they wouldn't really necessarily know if it's if it's okay or not i mean it's 2020 how do we move beyond that to a more i guess i don't want to say egalitarian <laughs> but yeah. to a more equal society
1: yeah i th- I think that addressing the taboos is very important i mean we we all I would say, as humans, um, as humans, we're all we all have our biases. Some of us explicit, some of us implicit, and we need to be educated. Um, you know, uh, when I go to the hospital, some people talk to me in weird English, asking me whether I speak English, whether I, whether I need a translator or something. Systematically, you know, it's not. <laughs> there's no even question or something like that. Um, I think it's okay. You know, these kind of things. People need to be educated. Um, there is definitely an education to be had like beyond you know the diversity in research when a doctor a police officer anybody you know that works with minorities or will be you know um, exposed to working with minorities and all sorts of different ethnicities you know people of different skin color I think there needs to be some education on on by the people of from these minorities there should be some kind of immersion as well of these you know like the, these these people that need to be educated and things like that because Because I don't think that everybody wants to be racist. I think that we just act within these biases that we have. And and that transpires somewhat sometimes, you know, in a really bad way. So I think that education is really important. I think that, for example, a doctor who has never seen, um, you know, a black person with measles needs to be trained to see a black person with measles. Yeah. You know something. So it's
0: this was in two thousand and fourteen. So not like in forever.
1: And in the UK, I mean, it's, yeah, it's the UK. It's, yeah. it's the UK. They, they do have a great medical yeah. system, but you know. And so I think that education is really key here because, um, you know, there there is a, there is a taboo. You know, when a person wants to ask you a question, I think that feeling that it's okay. There's a certain level within which that question could be asked, and there is a reason for that question to be asked, but as long as you do it in a respectful manner, for example, or you have been educated, so you don't have to ask that question anymore. Like in your case, for example, yes, Nigeria is one of the countries where there is cut and stitching. So see, I'm correcting my wording now, my terminology. Oh, so, same thing in Egypt, same thing in that. So there needs to be this education. Yes, it happens there, but no, is it- the thing.
0: Nigeria do, but not all parts of Nigeria
1: exactly so that was my next that that was my next point like is it okay is it okay to ask a person because this person comes originally from nigeria if they have been subject to that and b even if that person has been subject to that is it okay to assume that as a victim that person is going to perpetuate that on their children here in the uk for example this is the kind of education that i'm talking about like very basically taboo sensitive questions that need to be addressed during the education of these people because it's not okay to subject someone like you or anybody at the end of the day uh, regardless of their you know ethnicity country they're coming from skin color to this kind of of things quite frankly this is a lack of education you know um, to be had and then obviously like there is always racism and racists out there that will no matter how much education you give them they're just going to be you know Um, But I think that education is something that's very, um, extremely important here on on how to address these, especially taboos around, you know, cultural stereotypes and cultural biases. I think it's quite important. As you mentioned, even if Nigeria does it, it's not all of Nigeria that that does it. You know, like going, it's like someone that tells me, um, I don't know, a certain country is dangerous because in the northern part of that country, there is some, I don't know, thing going on, some conflict going on. It's like a saying, like I'm not going to the US because the Bronx has a lot of gangs and, and, and gang wars in it and something like that.
0: Which no, is, yeah, actually absolutely yeah. like saying I'm not going to the UK because Northern Ireland there's still, you know, now and again you have um, dissident, you know, fighting each other and bombing cars. Yeah, which actually that's rem- the reality of, of 2020, you know, but yeah, it's actually okay for such stereotype to to yeah, no, it is okay when
1: it's Africa. when it's Africa. Actually, it's I, I came back once uh, right after, like I went to uh, Guinea and to West Africa basically uh, right after the Ebola crisis, um, and and then I came back and I went for you know Life Labs here is a lab that does all sorts of blood of blood. Blood tests. So I went in for blood tests and I saw a map, like a map of Africa, entirely red. It was just one single blob, the African continent, no boundaries, nothing, just like one blob that was red. And there was written right next to it Have you been here? Please let us know in the past like something, month or something, please let us know. And so obviously I go, I was shocked to see an entire African map that was red. So I go to the reception, like, excuse me, I just came back from West Africa. What well, What is this? She was like, oh, oh, okay. Thanks for letting us know. No, you know, because Ebola thing was like, okay, the entire, Af- continent though seriously yeah. so she says yeah you know what she told me if it's something that really remains engraved in my mind and my husband was there and I was so angry she said well it's and I'm I swear to God this is what she told me that's where all the diseases come from
0: wow
1: this is an employee and I'm saying it publicly and this is an employee of Life Labs That tells me, like, she's supposed to be educated with regards to diseases. They do literally blood tests for diseases. And they had the red map. I mean, someone had the idea of printing all of Africa and coloring it red and stereotyping it as one single blob where all diseases come from. You know, and this is something that was extremely shocking to me, which actually goes back to this lack of education, but stereotyping as well. It's basically what I'm saying: it's like, don't go to the states; you can get killed because in the Bronx, something bad, bad is happening. On, is happening. So, it is exactly the same thing here. So, I think that as just you just mentioned, it's not because some part of Nigeria does it that every Nigerian is exposed to it, and same thing a bit everywhere else, basically. But we're we're more practicing this. And, you know, this granularity, we're practicing it in the West or in the North, the global North, if you will, than in the global South. So it's okay to say, for example, the US is fine, um, you can go there, but you cannot say you can go to Nigeria because there is Boko Haram in, in the North, in the Northern part, something like that. So I think that there is this bias ingrained. Um, People need to be educated. I mean, I I gave her really hard time to the lady in the life labs that day. I was so angry, they had to remove the map. It was like, if you're gonna put something in there, at least put these countries, and you gotta put like these, and it's the same thing with vaccinations. When you go to the traveling clinic to say, oh, I'm going to Senegal, for example, they show you a yellow card of Senegal saying there is yellow fever there, you need to be vaccinated which we know is not necessarily the case, quite frankly, you know, um, um, but it's basically how it's handled and it's within the system. And it's the education that needs to change, the system needs to change, and it's something yeah. that pushes, you know, that's, that's why that, well, there is no justification for it, but this incompetent doctor that you were exposed to, unfortunately, um, was educated within that, the system, that system's boundaries.
0: Yeah, no, so I agree 100% that there needs to be re-education because, is no longer acceptable that people of color would would either, I guess it could actually make people to feel very um, unsure of talking about certain fears with the doctors because they don't wanna be labeled and then their kids I mean, having been put on the list for social services and every little thing, you know, the risk of having your child taken away because, I mean, I'm actually very lucky because I can speak English and on a good day, I can also be very crazy when someone sort of tries to, if I know, if I notice that the direction of thing, if I do not defend myself, that is likely going to escalate or because something else, I can be quite vocal. And so I guess I'm lucky that I'm in that position that I can speak out for myself. So imagine how many other hundreds or even thousands of people from ethnic minority background, women, that have had their names and their family's name put on this high alert for potential cutting and stitching because they were circumcised or for other reasons, when in fact they know they're not. But this is obviously because the medical practitioners have not been trained to identify properly or to identify certain illnesses or certain things on the black skin or on a skin that is nothing but white. So I I really 100% agree with you on the need for re-education, on the need for all of us to actually even reflect on our own biases and hopefully do better. Mm -hmm.
1: I agree. I agree. That's that. That's like, is it? There, there should be like a manual, you know? Like, is it okay to say this? Is it okay to do this? Yes, I no, know. yes,
0: no. I like, I let's know stop with that. No. don't know about the manual because that would really be controlling someone. But you, you know, even me. Do you know how many times I I talk to myself? Before I actually say something to someone, I, I rehearse it, oh my God, I don't wanna hurt this person's feeling. Should I say this, should I say this this way? I'm,
1: I'm going to say something, cause I'm crazy. I'm gonna say something. If the person deserves to have their feeling hurt, they're gonna have their feeling hurt. They have to deal with it, you know? Oh, okay. If they do say something, if that person is a racist, if that person is explicitly biased, I would say, like diplomatically speaking, let's use diplomatic words. If that person is explicitly biased and a racist, then I'm sorry, I'm not going to retain myself from hurting their poor, poor, poor little feelings. Quite frankly, like if I see some sort of injustice, I am not going to think twice before addressing that right away, right off the top. If a, that's different from obviously hurting somebody else's feelings, you know, like yeah. my, with my own biases. But if someone deserves to be told the truth, the way it is, you know. As we say, the the uh, we have a saying in in, um, in Arabic, al al basically, which is like the it's it's equivalent of the hard truth. For a racist, a uh, explicitly biased person that deserves to maybe learn a lesson by getting their feelings hurt. Well, maybe that's that is what it takes. Next time, they will not do it. You know. Sorry for for our dear beloved audience, but I think no, that sometimes, no. you know. You know, it's important to remove the gloves sometimes when a person deserves it.
0: No, I mean it's it's okay. I guess it kind of echoes what they say that bad things happen because good people watch and do nothing. So I guess um, moving forward, we should all be our um, allies to both the white and and minorities, and you know just work together to ensure that. We are all treated fairly because that's basically all we ask. And I I had to share my story around this medical and the need for um, diversity in medical research or medical environment because of obviously a lot of the things we've been reading around COVID and, and other things. And we know this is basically happening because if you live in an environment where Um, The focus of research have not been your kind, then the people treating things in times of pandemic are likely not going to have um, a, a more favorable response or answer towards how to understand things that affect people like you. And so I hope that, I guess, I I, I don't even think the government will be listening to this, but you never know who the podcast would touch. It might be the scientists that work in the lab, the people that work in the hospital, the hospital administrators. I just hope the right people are listening and they can then take the right steps to do things differently. Yes, training is important, but... Beyond ticking those boxes, how then do you ensure that the people you've trained have gone on to do it right without indirectly undermining not only the sanity, but the human rights of the people that they are supposed to be protecting? I'm sorry, this has gone near demoralizing for you but this is a truth that had to be spoken and no
1: this is this is i'm so sorry you had to go through that actually and this is really a good example of why things should change and and how they should change as well it's very important it's you know beyond the street racism thing that we see you know police brutality and things like that way beyond that and it's i think systemic racism which is embedded in our lives is actually um something that is quite important to address and I think that for our dear beloved audience if you could share this because you never know who listens someone who needs a little bit of education someone who does not know who there who is not inherently racist who does not know how to address some certain taboos that are you know like certain I would say cultural stereotypes for example then you know please share this podcast and please share wildly
0: yeah um Thank you so much for listening and yes, do share. And if you have any idea around what we should be talking about next, or if you want to be our guest, please do reach out when, when you see the podcast. Do reach out to us and we'll be very happy to invite you to talk about everything and nothing.
1: Thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. This was Dihia and Ife for African Geoparty.
0: Thank you. Bye.